Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Vibrant Church, let me hear from you Sunday morning. You're glad to be in the house. Let's go. I love it and so glad you're here. Uh, My name is Michael. My wife, Carmen, and I, we have the tremendous honor and privilege of serving this church as lead pastors, and we're so thankful that you are in the house today. Today is Friends Day. How many friends we got in the house? Got some friends. I know everybody's bringing some friends. I love it. I'm glad you're here. Um, As always, I want to take a moment just uh, to look into the camera, and I want to welcome our online family in Whoever you're watching with, wherever you're watching, uh, thank you so much for making Vibrant part of your Sunday. Let's welcome our online family in. Let's do it. So glad that you are here for Friends Day. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. After service, we have jumpies and free pizza. And, and so I encourage you, drinks, and just to stay after service. Take your time. Don't, don't feel like you got to run off. It's going to be a great time. You let your kids get out there and work off all their energy so they can go take a great nap this afternoon, all right? Amen. I'm trying to think of you here, right? <laughs> so it's going, to be a, it's going to be a great day. Uh, a few weeks ago in our Vision Sunday, we announced something that we're very, very excited about. For us, developing leaders uh, that are going to impact the kingdom is very, very important to us. And so we've wanted to think about how we can do this in the most effective way uh, possible. We wanted to uh, do something that was part-time, that was accredited, that was as inexpensive as possible. Um, And and so we are so honored and and happy and privileged to announce that we're launching Vibrant College right here at Vibrant Church. It's awesome. We're offering a part-time Um, accredited Bible college experience for for anybody, really, whether you're 18 or 81, it doesn't really matter. Uh, If you are interested in growing your influence in the kingdom and and learning how you can use the talents and gifts that God already gave you and expand that and make a difference. And I wanna encourage you to check this out. We are very, very excited. The last few weeks, we've been working on the administrative side of this, getting getting all the back end set up for us to launch this thing in the fall of 2022. Uh, But next Sunday, Everybody say next Sunday, Uh, May 1st, we are opening registration for enrollment uh, for Vibrant College next Sunday. It's going to be awesome. So be on the lookout for that and our social media platforms as well as our websites. Uh, It'll be a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Uh, So I want to encourage you, if if you know somebody uh, that is looking for that, go ahead and have them check it out. It's going to be a great day. Amen. Glad you're here. We are starting a brand new series called They Continued. They Continued is all about the New Testament church. Maybe you came on Easter and you came back today because you like what you experienced on Easter and you're back. Or maybe it's your first time here and you're like, all right, what is this thing, the whole thing about? Well, for us, um, I'm going to explain why our church exists and uh, try to give you the, the, uh, the model in which our church tries to follow and everything that we do has a purpose and it, all, it is all found in the book of Acts. And so uh, that being said, let me set it up this way. Uh, one thing that Americans and well, really all people really love to do is eat. Come on, somebody, anybody like to eat? 
All right, this side of the room really likes to eat. This side are my fasters. Y'all are all fasting, right? So that's good. So more pizza for us. Come on, no, right? Oh, we love to eat. Specifically, Americans love to go out to eat, right? We love to go out to eat. We love to go to a restaurant and eat food that if we were to watch YouTube, we could have made that like way better anyway. You know what I'm saying? We love to go to a restaurant and eat that food that we could have cooked at home and pay double for it and then tip, right? We love to do that. Well, if you can't tip, don't go out to eat. That's a separate sermon, amen? Right, okay, all right. But there are certain places out there that just get overwhelming to eat at. They get overwhelming. Let me explain. The Cheesecake Factory. You're not with me yet, but you're gonna be with me in a minute, I promise you. I get overwhelmed at the Cheesecake Factory. Let me explain. You sit down and you walk in and they, they drop this menu down on your table that's 20 pages long at like seven and a half font. First of all, I got bad eyes. Second of all, it's dark. I can't see that thing. And then third of all, it's 20 pages. I literally looked it up. It's 20 pages long at seven and a half font. There are so many options on the Cheesecake Factory menu. I don't know what to get because there are so many options. I could look up the food online, but then there's reviews and they're all over the place. I don't know whether to trust Jenny from Albany, New York. I don't know whether to trust her on the, on the, the Cajun seafood pasta. I don't know, right? What are they good at? Like, get this dish. Don't get this dish. This is healthy. This is not healthy. This, this makes me like not even want to be there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just personally, honestly, I kind of avoid the place altogether uh, because it has so many options, right? I just don't even want to look at the menu. But you know what I do like? The Taste of Texas. Anybody like the Taste of Texas? Anybody? Okay, like three people. All right. Okay, the Taste of Texas. You know exactly what you're going to get at the Taste of Texas. What are you getting at the Taste of Texas? Steak, come on somebody. Like it takes all the stress out of it. Like you know exactly what you're gonna get. You know exactly what they are offering and exactly why you're there. Like you could get chicken, but that's your own poor decision. Uh, like, <laughs> like, like, but you know when you go to, to that restaurant what they are known for. What's the purpose, right? What does that look like? Guys, I truly feel like the American church in 2022 has become like the Cheesecake Factory. It's become like the Cheesecake Factory. Like this one has this and, and this one does this. And well, this one doesn't do this and they like this and they don't do this. Well, then we go to find out more about the church and it just confuses people more than ever. So they just walk away from the church because they're overwhelmed by the whole thing. We make church way more complicated than it's supposed to be. Church really should be like the Taste of Texas. You kind of know when you walk in what you're gonna get what you should expect. Like you should know what to expect, but how can you know what to expect if you don't know what the church is actually supposed to look like? What is the biblical perspective of the church? What is it supposed to look like? I know what we have our cultural, oh, I go to this church because I like this and all this, but like, I'm not talking about the culture, I'm talking about Bible, those are separate things. Biblically, what is the church supposed to look like? Well, our vision is that if you, if you know it, you can say it with me. We are real people with a real passion to live vibrant life in Jesus. That is what we do. That's, that's who we are. Now, th what does that mean? That vision is a really fancy way of explaining that we're a New Testament church. We are a New Testament book of Acts church. I don't think Jesus 
This might step on toes. I don't think Jesus wanted his church to be traditional. I don't think that Jesus wanted his church to be contemporary or edgy either. I think Jesus wanted his church to reach and love people. And whatever people thought it was or called it, that's fine. Whatever people branded it, that's fine. But reach out and follow the blueprint that the disciples laid out in the early church. So post-Easter, what I wanted us to do is we preached about the resurrection and how we're supposed to live a resurrected life. Well, today I wanted to start this series where some of you are on a journey. You're trying to find a church. You're trying, many of you, you're new believers and you're trying to figure out what the church actually looks like in your context, in your world. What is it supposed to be for you? Some of you are de-churched. Some of you are deconstructing. Some of you have been believers for all your life and you're like, you're 30 years into this thing going, okay, well, what am I doing here? Why am I here? I wanted to do an entire series on what the New Testament church actually looked like and what it actually looks like in the context of modern day because that church should continue to be the church that you and I are today. It should be the same church. You know what the New Testament church looked like? You know what the book of of Acts church looked like? There was community. There were miracles. There was worship, passionate worship. There was generosity. There was life change. There was freedom. But it all began by one sermon from an unlikely candidate. Well, last week, let me give you some context. Last week, we talked about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus rises from the dead, and he's actually with the disciples and other people for 40 days. He is with everybody for 40 days. He ascends to heaven, and Jesus tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait. Go and wait, I I will be there, go and wait for me. They go and they wait for about nine days and they're inside of the upper room and and the upper room is actually the same place uh, where the last supper took place and so they're inside of the upper room and the Holy Spirit falls. People begin speaking in other tongues. They start speaking in a language they don't understand. And so others on the outside heard it because it was obviously loud when it happened, okay? Um, and so it was, it was very loud when it happened. And people, they heard it on the outside and they came to check on them. And they were like, hey guys, are y'all drunk? <laughs> like that was their first reaction because everybody's loud. It's 9 a.m. in the morning. They're like, hey guys, what's wrong with you? Are you drunk? They're like, no, no, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. At this point, Peter, of all people, preaches the very first message of the New Testament church. Peter, of all people, because the last time that we saw Peter, Peter was denying Christ to a schoolgirl. What this does is it shows us that I don't care what your past has been, I don't care what even your present is, that God not only can save you, but he can redeem you for a future purpose. Doesn't matter what you're going through in this life right now, he can redeem you to his calling for your life. He can redeem you. This is where the New Testament church all began. This is it right here. He explains how they crucified Jesus who was innocent and he came back and he rose from the dead and now his Holy Spirit is here to live in us and and, and help us to live a resurrected life. He he came back and, and he's resurrected and they ask, okay, well now what? What do we do? Well, Peter says, he preaches the first salvation message in the New Testament. He says, repent, turn away from your sin, turn away from the things, turn away from the life of death, right? That we talked about last week. Turn away from sin, turn away from the things that hold you back. Repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It was an awesome day. Thousands of people were saved that day and boom, the early church in Jerusalem was planted. 
The early church was planted in Jerusalem. But here's what happened directly afterwards. And this is what I wanna talk about. Two and a half years ago, Vibrant Church was planted. It was an amazing day. How many of my OG launch team people here, right? You helped plant the church. Come on, that's awesome. People around. When it, when it was us thinking about meeting in an element or a, a middle school, smelling like tater tots and Cheetos. Come on, somebody. And look how far the Lord has brought us, right? Two and a half years ago, we planted this church. Well, this, so we look in the book of Acts. That church was planted. That This was their next step. Let me show you what the next step of this church is. In Acts chapter 2. Verse 40, 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer, to prayer. 43, a, a deep sense of awe came over them and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All and all of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money they had with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and entering and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. After the Lord had brought Jesus after these people had brought Jesus into their lives and they surrendered their lives to Jesus, they gave their lives to Jesus, what was the first thing that happened? They baptized thousands of people. That was the logical next step. And I wanna encourage you today. If you have given your life to Jesus, you have given your heart to Jesus, you need to be baptized. You need to be baptized. In fact, we're doing baptisms here Next week, let me show you why you need to be baptized. At John 3 and 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You're born again by the Spirit by giving your life back to Jesus. You give your heart back to him. But I want to encourage you, you need to be born again of the water. And, and so that, you're baptized in the name of Jesus because there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name that can save you. Buddha can't save you. Muhammad can't save Save you. Jesus is the only one that will save you. So if Jesus is, if Jesus' name is strong enough for me to pray over my salad, it's good enough for me to baptize with. Okay, is that all right? That all right? So I want to make this really easy for you. Many of you have turned your life over to Jesus, and you're thinking like, man, that's me. I want to be baptized. Great. We're having baptism Sunday, next Sunday, second service, okay? The same time, right here, okay? Set the date. I'm going to make it really easy for you to sign up even. Our team, creates an incredible experience. We set up a hot tub right over here so the water's nice and warm, okay? We bring extra clothes for you to be baptized in. We give you towels. We, we do a Bible study with you before you're baptized to explain repentance and walking away from your sin. We do all of that for you, make it incredibly easy. And then I'm gonna make it really easy for you to sign up too. Our media team's gonna throw a QR code up on the screen. Here's what I want you to do. If you wanna be baptized, just take a picture. They're gonna leave, us, leave it up there. You can take a picture of it. You can scan it, whatever you wanna do. If you you want to be baptized, you just scan that and our team will reach out to you and uh, you just sign up and they're going to leave it up there for a minute while we continue preaching. But so the church here is established. This New Testament church is established. What was the first thing that happened? What did they do next? I think that we can learn a lot about the values of Jesus by looking at the values of the New Testament church, looking at the values of Jesus by the first moves of the New Testament church. The first thing that they did was they went all in. Everybody say all in. All in. All in. 
You know, a few weeks ago, I was playing basketball. We have a, a men's life group, or not, it's not men's, it's anybody, ladies, men's, kids, I don't, I don't care. We can play basketball. We play basketball on Monday nights. You can sign up on our life group page on our website um, or on the church center app. But we, we go out there and play basketball, and it's a great time. Well, a few weeks ago, we're out there playing, and my buddy ZJ, anybody love ZJ? Well, we're playing, and ZJ's got the ball in the post, and I'm guarding a guy outside, and ZJ, he was looking at me, and he turns his head like that, and right there I thought, ah, I got you. I got you, right? I got you. He holds the ball out, and I'm like, My, hey, I'm going in after that ball, and I go and I reach for the ball. Well, as I reach for the ball, I underestimated that he was built um, a, a little differently than I am, and, uh, and, and so... Uh, he's a little bit more like a grizzly bear, you know what I'm saying? And, and, so, and so, like, I went to grab the ball, and as I grabbed the ball, I held on, but he decided he wanted to do one of these numbers. And he wanted to turn into a grizzly bear ballerina. And he turns, and before long, I find myself on the ground wrestling a grizzly bear for a basketball. Like, and at the moment I was on the ground wrestling him for the ball, I was like, I'm so competitive, I'm not letting this thing go. You know what I'm saying? I will not let this basketball go. So I was just like, I'm gonna wrestle. I was like, I don't care if I lose my arm right here. I'm going to get this ball away from him. Like, I, I, I am all in at this point. Well, I'm just happy to announce that eventually I got the ball away from him just barely. And we won the game, did we not? We, I mean, well, our team won the game. We won the game. So that's all that matters. I mean, I'm not competitive or anything, but I'm just telling you the truth because, you know, the Lord called me to preach the truth. So I'm just trying to, trying to tell you, um, you know, but for me, I was so, I was, I was, I was going all in there. I just, my, my competitive nature made me devoted to getting that ball. A few days later, he was at the church and he came up here and I just broke the ice. I was like, bro, let me just tell you, I will never, ever, 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 ever wrestle on the ground for you, with you for a basketball ever in my life. I felt like my arm had come off. Like I, it was detached. I probably have some kind of soldier, shoulder injury. Uh, but I, like, I, but I, my competitive nature in me was like, you, you got, you're gonna go all in for this. You gotta, you gotta win this thing, right? In Acts 2, 42, it says they devoted, all the believers devoted themselves, devoted themselves. I wanna break this down a little bit to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. That word devoted, if you translate it backwards, it means held nothing back. It means they held nothing back. They were all in, they held nothing back. In my eyes, as a pastor, as a pastor that's been pastoring for almost 18 years now, which is unbelievable, uh, the greatest problem in the American church culture today is that we've brought the consumerism of American culture and tried to fit it into the church. We brought the consumerism of American culture and tried to fit it into the local church. Church, let me just tell you, Macy's is not the same as the church. Amen? Macy's is not the same as the church and we can't try to make it that way. What if we try to rethink the way that we look at church, like the big C church and our culture today? Like as a believer, we have to believe for more than consumerism in our church when it comes to this church, this local assembly, because Jesus did not die and rise again so we could be a consumer. He died and rose again so we would be converted. He didn't die for consumerism. He died so we would be converted. That's what the good news is all about. For us to have a life change and live a, a, a resurrected life. It, 
if we truly got that and we've truly got that conversion experience, our life would change. Our life would change. The way we value our systems would change. The way that we run our family would change. Devoted. Let me give you an example of somebody that is devoted. He's somebody that's on right in the booth right there. His name is Jerry Haney. Anybody love Jerry Haney? Everybody loves Jerry. And Jerry is, man, the Lord saved him many, 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 many years ago. But that guy, many, 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 many years ago. Not too many, but just a few many. But this man is, is bought in to the kingdom, to what the Lord is doing through the Big C Church. Not just this church, but the Big C Church. In fact, he's up here at this church almost every night of the week. Like almost every night of the week, working on it. He's a, he leads our production team. So everything you see, the reason it's excellent is because he's leading that team and leading those people. Like I have to continually tell Jerry, go home. Like that's enough. Go home. Go, 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 go. He's hold, but he holds nothing back because the Lord saved him and the Lord transformed him. And the Lord set him free. And he says, well, this, I'm going to be devoted to the Lord's church because he worked on me. Has anybody been saved? Anybody been, hey, anybody been blessed that was lost and now they're, they're, they're found, that they were broken, but now they're whole. And now I say, because God changed my life, I can't help. I'm going all in. What if we went all in when it comes to the church? All in. Like, what if you go all in for one year and see what your life looks like? In fact, there's somebody in this church that told me a story a few weeks ago. Austin Tweed, he serves on our safety team. Is he in here? Is he out? He, he's, he's, he's over where? Right there. There he is. That's a good looking man right there. Come on. Austin Tweed called me a few weeks ago and he was like, man, I just got to tell you, like, I don't even recognize myself. I went all in. For a year, I don't even recognize myself compared to where I was a year ago. You can tell that God is moving and he, because he's changing people's lives. His wife's back there amening and shaking her head. So like, I, you know, <laughs> but they went all in, guys. They, were, they bought into community. They went all into community in life groups and serving and giving and attending on Sunday. Why? Because it changed their life. And it's not about the church. It's about the God of the church. Because this is not my church, it's not your church, it's his church. So we go all in, it's about him. And so, well, well, pastor, it's Memorial Day weekend. It's all right. The boat will be there after church, it's good. Lake Conroe ain't moving, you know what I'm saying? It's okay, right? The New Testament church was devoted. They were devoted. And, and I'm, I wanna do what they did. Like, church, is church really that important? Absolutely, yes. Church is essential, Amen. Church is essential. Even if when I didn't pastor this church, my family still went to church every Sunday. We're going to church. Like I grew up in the culture of even if you were sick, you went to church because you needed to be prayed for. Come on now, before pandemics and all the things. Now, if you like don't come to church sick, don't do that here. Don't do that. We ain't trying to play that. We don't play that game here, right? <laughs> but we will pray for you like right where you're at. God is good, right? Amen. Uh, but well, pastor, I've got ball games. You know, my, my kids are in sports and, you know, well, they can't miss so they won't get that scholarship. You know, well, coach is saying they could go pro one day. Well, let me just tell you, your kid's got like a .00008% chance of going pro, playing pro ball, and they got a 100% chance they're going to meet Jesus. So you pick. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I can't expect my kids to be all in devoted to God when we go to church like once every eight weeks, Right? 
when I'm not bringing God into my family. We go to church. We're devoted to church. I got way too many people that are saying, well, Disney's coming after my kids. Well, T-Ball already got them. Huh? We're going to church. We're going to be a part of it. Make it a priority. I'm going to devote my life to a lifestyle of prayer. When something goes wrong, I'm going to pray first. I'm not going to worry first. I'm not going to call first. I'm not going to put it on Facebook first. I'm, when something goes right, I'm going to pray first, and I'm going to thank God for it because he is the source of all the blessings in my life. I'm going to pray first. Why? Because it's not things to do. It's a lifestyle to live, and I want to be devoted and hold nothing back. And if you believe it, I wish you'd clap your hands like you're in the house with me. If you haven't caught this yet, we are a talkback church. I preach better and I preach shorter when you say amen, all right? So if you're hungry, say amen. All right, let me fast forward my notes. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, I read something this weekend. It was impactful when it came to this. It says, says this is a declaration. It says, this is my church. It is composed of people just like me. It will be friendly if I am. It will do great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am generous. It will bring others into its fellowship if I bring them. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love and of faith and service. If I who make it what it is am filled with these, therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. Everybody say, this is my church. This is my church. The second thing that they did, the first, uh, the first things that this... Uh, Acts chapter two church did was number one, they went all in. They devoted themselves to the lives, to the life of prayer and, and to the good news and, and, and to the, the gospel. The second thing that they did was they worshiped together. They worshiped together. You know, there once was a king that went hunting with his friend. As he pulled back his bow and arrow to shoot it, the king shot his arrow and his thumb got caught and he actually chopped his, he severed his thumb. His thumb came off and his friend said, well, praise God because he's in control. You're gonna be okay. The king was furious and threw him in jail, threw him in prison. Sometime later, the king was out hunting again and he ventured into a distant land where he had never been before. Suddenly he was surrounded by cannibals. They tied him up and, and, uh, and, and they tied him up and they were ready to cook him. Well, then they saw that he had a thumb missing and the, the chief said, no perfect, no cookie. No perfect, no cookie. They, and they let him go. They let him go. They, let him, they didn't cook him. He went back to his friend, pulled him out of prison, and apologized. He's like, man, you are absolutely right. God was in control. Me not having a thumb saved my life. His friend said, praise God that I've been in prison so long. He, the king says, well, why can you praise God for being in prison? He said, if I hadn't been in prison, I would have been hunting with you. And look, I got two thumbs. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Acts 2 and 46, they worshiped together at the temple. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Psalm 135 and three, praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name for it is pleasant. He is good, therefore he is worthy to be praised. Church, I just have to tell you, worship is one of our core values and we're not, we're not one of those silent worship churches. You know what I'm saying? Like we believe in loud corporate worship that just, it changes the atmosphere. Let me just tell you, we'll go, I think it's so funny that in American culture, we'll go to sport games and we'll paint our faces and we'll scream and hoopla and all things for athletes that don't know us, but the savior of the world, we'll sit in church and go, ah, oh, I think they're singing a good song. I'm just gonna let them sing, you know what I'm saying? 
Corporate worship changes the atmosphere. There's something special about lifting our hands together in worship. That's why they committed to it. They were in it. Worship changes the atmosphere of your life. It is an issue of faith. We don't have to feel like praising or worshiping God before we can do it. We don't have to feel like it. Let me give you an example. Look at Arnold Schwarzenegger. Huge muscles, right? He's like 70 years old and he's still got like huge biceps, right? Huge, right? But besides steroids, I mean, if you're watching Arnold, I'm not saying you did steroids. I mean, that, that's what they said. Don't send me an email. 915 said it, I'm not me. What, I mean, besides steroids, what did he have to do to get there? He went to the gym and he lifted and he lifted and he lifted and he ate and he lifted and he lifted over and over and over. There is no use for me complaining about my little arms. Don't laugh at that. If the heaviest thing I ever lift is a pen and my hands to write this message. There is, there is no use in that. Spiritually speaking, I think every church has some that look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Their faith is strong and you can see them. They're like, that's Arnie. That's Arnie right there, right? You got big spiritual muscles. You got big spiritual muscles. Well, then there's like Steve Urkel. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all might remember Steve Urkel. Some of you younger ones may not remember that. Go Google it. Uh, but he was this little skinny, weedy little guy, and he was famous for bumbling and through life and, and through everything. And he always asked, did I do that? You remember that? Okay, all right, all right. He's so skinny, he'd have to run around in the shower to get wet. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's that almost no muscle at all, right? But guys, the spiritual arnies of the church go through life saying, out of my way, devil, I'm coming through. But the spiritual urkels of the church go, I'll step out of your way, devil. Go ahead, don't bother me. It's the difference. It's a difference, right? For the spiritual armies, trials may come your way. Obstacles may come your way. Problems come your way, but the, you just keep going. If you've had a good week, you show up on Sunday ready to praise and worship God with all your heart. But if you've had a bad week, you still show up and ready to praise and worship and give God your heart. You're a warrior. You're a warrior. There's nothing that inspires me than when I watch somebody else and when they're worshiping. Man, I, man I, that fires me up. I want to worship too. God, I love you and I give you praise. There's something powerful about walking in. Everybody's lifting their voice and shouting praise. But, but the Urkels of the church, we don't have any in the 11 o'clock. It's all on the 915. <laughs> they have a great week. They worship great. Man, God is good. I got a pay raise this week. My marriage is awesome. Like, we're great. We're going on vacation this week. Come on, it's a great, praise God. But then you have a lousy week. It's like, man, that's a cool song. That's a nice song. Oh, you're my champion. I wish you was my champion on Tuesday. Huh? We've got to ask the question, church. Are we a spiritual Arnie? Or a spiritual Urkel. A spiritual Arnie or a spiritual Urkel. Here's the truth, is that you get out of it what you put into it. 
You get out of it what you put into it. You want the results of the New Testament church? We wanna be a biblical church. If you want a culturally relevant church that's gonna do all the new fads, this is not the church for you. I love you, but I can like, hey, there are wonderful churches out there, great. But if you're wanting one that's going to be sticking to the biblical base of the New Testament church, if we want what they have, you better be prepared to worship when you're in the fire. You better be prepared to worship when life is not great, when you're going through trials, when you got stuff going on, because when you worship in the fire, the fire changes its purpose. It's not there to harm you, it's there to refine you. The fire becomes, I feel the Holy Ghost, my help is in this house. When you worship in the fire, it changes the purpose of it because the fire in your soul turns to the Holy Spirit and says, God, you are strong enough in me and work through me and you'll make me strong in the other side of this trial. That's why we sing songs in this church like, this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Not like this, I don't fight no battles like this, but I'm gonna fight all my battles like this, you know what I'm saying? God, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let me down. Or you can have it all. Or Give me Jesus, take this whole world. You can have the economy, you can have inflation, you can have the wars, you can have my mortgage, praise God, those tax increases about to get me. But you can have it all, but give me Jesus because that's the only thing I need. That's why I sing when I'm sad. That's why I worship when I'm worried. That's why I go deeper spiritually when I'm feeling depressed because worship changes the atmosphere. In fact, I wanna do something that we don't, we don't ever do, okay? I'm gonna change, I'm gonna change the, the, the script right here. Some of y'all have become a vibrant since it launched and y'all haven't been used to this. I want you to stand up across, your feet, across the room. Everybody stand up on your feet. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a praise break. We don't have a band. We don't have no, no lyrics on the screen. We don't have any music. We don't have anything else. But guess what? A lot of times in the New Testament, they didn't either. But they still devoted themselves to worship. Here's what I want you to do. I'm gonna count to three and I want you to give God the worship you believe he deserves for about 30 seconds. Don't worry about nobody else around you. For some of you, it might be that you're lifting your hands because he's given you freedom. For some of you, it might be you're clapping your hands because he's broken the chains off your life. You're saying hallelujah because it's literally the biggest, largest form of worship that you can give him as a human being. Saying hallelujah. Here's what I want you to do. Don't worry about nobody else around you. I want you to give him the praise and worship you believe he deserves today. Can we do that, church? I'm gonna turn my mic off and I wish that you would shake the sheetrock with your praise. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Let's worship. Come on, church, I wish you'd lift your voice and praise to him right now. If he's saved you, I wish you'd worship him. If he's redeemed you, I wish you'd lift him up a shout of praise. Come on, don't be ashamed of him. Today, lift him up today. Hallelujah. Woo! I don't know about you, but when I was lost, he found me, so I got something to praise for. When I was broken, he made me whole. I got something to praise for. When I had nothing to my name, he brought groceries to my door. Come on, I've been there. I've been there and God did it for me. Let me just tell you, we serve a good God, a great God that deserves to be worshiped. Clap your hands one more time. Be 
be seated. Guys, worship will change the atmosphere of your life. It'll change the atmosphere of your life. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've left work. I have a separate job outside of a pastor, okay? I, serve, I have a full-time job and then I serve as pastor. That I've come home from work stressed. I know. I know y'all think I float around and I just read a Bible all the time. Like, I, I don't have wings. Not yet. They haven't grown. Maybe a few more years. But I've come home and I've been stressed. But my wife, my beautiful wife, I come home, she's, she's cooking dinner and she's got worship music on our Spotify. And my kids are in the living room singing, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. Let me tell you, it's impossible for me to be stressed when my kids are in there singing, give me Jesus. Because fear can't be in the same room with Jesus. Darkness can't be in the same room with light. Some of you, if you're looking to change the atmosphere of your life, you need to do it not on Sundays, but at home. Sundays needs to be a part of your life, but it can't be the only time that you worship. Can you imagine the worship culture that our church would have if we would just establish it every day that I'm going to go home and I'm gonna be a worshiper on Monday. I'm gonna be a worshiper on Tuesday. I'm gonna raise up little worshipers in my house. My kids are gonna know how to worship. They're gonna know how to worship. Worship changes the atmosphere. That's why the New Testament church was stuck, that they were all in on it. The third thing that the New Testament church did was they were together with great joy and generosity. Acts 2 and 46, they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity. Nobody, let me just tell you this, nobody gets closer to Jesus by isolating themselves. I've heard, I've heard people say, oh, I'm just gonna focus on me. I've never seen anybody say, well, I'm just gonna focus on me and get closer to Jesus. It doesn't happen. There are times in your life that you need a prayer closet in Jesus, but most of the time you need other people. They were not together only at church, but outside of church. Church can't, can't just be something that we do, that we check off the list and it's, we, it's another thing on the calendar, but it's something that we are. We are a part of the body of Christ and it's more valuable than a once a week gathering it for an hour. God literally created us for community and connection. And the early church did many things, but what was most important was that they did it together. That was the most important thing. Joy and generosity were the things, the, the, the traits that followed them as they were together. Joy and generosity. They were together with joy and generosity. Joy and generosity are blood brothers. They're blood brothers. Normally they show up at the same place together. You know what I'm talking about? You know, if, if you're missing one, you probably just need to find the other. Right? Find the other one. They'll be close by. If you'll, find, you'll find joy in your life when you're most generous of your time, your talent, your treasure. You'll find generosity in your life when you're most joyful. Cheerful givers stay generous. And it's this cycle. We believe, this church believes in generosity. In fact, just this month, we were able to, able to help many families in need with groceries, utility bills, other bills, household needs. Why? Because that happens because of your tithing and your generosity right here in this house. But I like to look at it like this. It's different bodies of water. And there's two different bodies of water I'd like to look at this morning. Number one is a reservoir. A reservoir is a body of water that is likely man-made Water flows in and, and hardly ever flows out of a reservoir. And then there's a river where water can freely run through it. Now, uh, 
if you do the research, swimming in reservoirs is actually highly discouraged. Those of you that grew up in like backwoods, Texas, or I grew up in backwoods, Louisiana, we don't know anything about that. We just see water and dive in. We don't think about anything. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, you know, jumping in a reservoir is actually highly discouraged because the water source is never moving. And so the bacteria settles. So it, it just sits there. And when you jump in, you're obviously inviting that into your body. But in a river... It's the cleanest water to be in naturally because the water is constantly moving and washing things away that don't need to be there, impurities that don't need to be there. Christians, you and I need to be more like rivers and less like reservoirs. More like rivers and, and, and less like reservoirs. And I'm not just talking about tithing. I'm talking about being a generous person. I, personally, I, I, I like to think that I'm a, a generous person so much, so much so that my wife kind of has to protect me from that because I, I have a big heart and I love people and, and that's just how I do. But I want to be, I want my life to be a river. So like when I, you know, for us, we bought our house so we could have people over. We, when we go out to eat, we bring people with us so we can pay for their meal. Like that's what we do. We love that. We want to help everybody no matter what. But I want my life to be a river because we'll never be known by what we keep. We'll never be known. We'll never leave a legacy on what we keep. Spoiler alert. We don't get to keep none of it, <laughs> right? We don't keep any of it. Everything in my life is a tool to bless someone else. Everything in my life. Because joy and generosity are blood brothers. Serving people in ministry, it's gotta be our priority, not just the ministry's priority. Oh, that's the pastor's job. No, it's our, we are the church. Everything that we have is a vehicle to, to get there and serve people. Let me give you an example. There's a, a young man in our church, beautiful family, Anthony Cruz. Anybody know Anthony? Anybody know Anthony? Y'all love the Cruises? Anthony and Shaylee Cruz, great, great folks. Well, my, my, my brother Anthony has dealt with kidney problems all his life. Kidney problems. In fact, he currently does not have a fully functioning kidney in his body. Every night he hooks up to a machine for 12 hours that will clean his body out so he can wake up and function the next day. Now, let me preface this. I fully believe God can heal them where there would never heal him, that there would never be, need to be an operation. Fully believe that. But I also believe that God may not heal him because it allows someone to step in and be the hands and feet and kidney of Jesus in his life. I want to encourage you today to pray about this, to pray about it. I'm going to do it. Pray about it if it'd be right for you to go get tested to see if you might be a match for Anthony and you could donate a kidney. That's, that's living like a river, living like a river. They found great joy in being together, joy and generosity. We've got to live a life of generosity and it leads us to joy. We live a life of joy and it leads us to generosity. They found all of this because they were together. Our church, if you're brand new to Vibrant, we meet on Sundays, but we don't have midweek services. Everything we do is in a life group. Anybody in a life group and you love it, your life group people, come on, life group people, you love your life group. We do our life groups in semesters and we're about to start a brand new summer semester of life groups. I wanna encourage you, you can not only be involved in a group, but you can lead a group. You only need to go through next and you can lead a group. Whatever you do, bring people with you and make it a group. If you like to cook, bring people over to your house and cook a bunch of food and talk about Jesus and pray together and you're winning. That's a life group. We're growing together. We're growing together. In fact, Vanessa, uh, is Vanessa in here or is she serving in kids today? 
She's in kids. Okay, Vanessa, serving in kids. She's awesome. Single mom of, of three beautiful babies. And she, she's leading a life group this semester for five, and, uh, I think it's five and six-year-old or five through seven-year-old, something like that, second through fifth grade, whatever, well, of, of kids where they're going to come together and they're going to learn about Jesus and they're going to have a great time playing in the park and they're going to learn about Jesus and get connected together outside of Sundays. Life groups. We're not a church of life groups, Okay. All right, we're a church with life groups built in our DNA. We don't just do it as a program. That's who we are. That's who we are. They found great joy in being together. Why? Because you you get forgiveness from God, but you get healing from God's people. James five and sixteen. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that so that you may be healed. Community will bring you healing. So many of you have been looking for healing in your life. You've been looking for some joy in your life, and you're trying to do it yourself. You're never gonna find it. Until you start doing life with other people. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The final thing that in this passage of Scripture, and I'm closing, is Acts 2 and 47. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Being saved wasn't the ending point, but it was the activation point for the Holy Spirit to be working in their lives. It was the activation point. Too many people, we get saved and we think, okay, Yay, saved, that's kind of it. That's an activation point. You don't need to make another move. You need to let God move you. Each day they were added. That means not just on Sunday. That means not just the day that they were in the temple or in the church. You and I have something bigger to live for. The early church, they all had different jobs and careers, but they had one purpose. They went all in. Church, your job is a vehicle that God has given you to make disciples in this world. You might be a banker, but you're the pastor of that bank. You might be a teller. You might be a cashier. You might be a, a, a cook. You might be some, somebody in, in childcare. You might be in healthcare. You might be a CEO, but you're the pastor of that company, of that restaurant, of that gathering. Your job is a vehicle to make disciples. They worship together because worship can change the atmosphere. We bring worship with us wherever we go. And then finally, they gathered and they ate together with joy and generosity. Together, we can change the world. Would you stand with me across the room today? The beginning of this year, we preached a sermon series about breakthrough. We believe that this is our year of breakthrough. And this is your year of breakthrough. In fact, we made it personally, personal. And you probably see shirts and hoodies around and it says, this is my breakthrough. Anybody experienced a breakthrough this year thus far, just in the first few months? Come on, that's beautiful. Come on, a breakthrough, a breakthrough in your business, in your marriage, in your, in your life, in your kids, a breakthrough. Church, I just gotta celebrate with you a, a breakthrough that our church had. Last Sunday on Easter Sunday, we had 334 people in this church worshiping a risen Savior, our largest attendance ever. Praise God. Even bigger than that, seven people gave their lives to Jesus and went from death to life last week. Come on, that's celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. We're seeing breakthroughs all over. We're seeing breakthroughs. But it all happens when we pray a simple prayer. Lord, I'm, Jesus, I'm putting you over everything. 
I'm putting you over everything. There is literally nothing that I'm holding back from you. I'm devoting my life to you. Everything I have, my career, my family, my relationships, my, my speech, my social media, like everything I have, I give it to you. So you would use me. Jesus over everything in my life. Jesus over everything. Would you close your eyes and maybe if you feel comfortable, just kind of slip your hand up. And I want to pray a prayer over you before we sing. That just ask Jesus to be everything in your life. That I want to encourage you to devote yourself. Go all in to what he has for you. If you want the results of the New Testament church, we've got to establish New Testament church disciplines in our world. Establish a New Testament church uh, stick-to-itiveness that we would go all in to what he has for us. Lord, we surrender to you today. Every person in here comes at a different entry point from a different background, from a different stage of life. But Lord, right now we surrender to you. God, I pray that you would help us, that today would be an encouragement where we would go all into what you would have for us, that we would establish worship as a culture in our home, that because we know it can change the atmosphere, but Lord, then we would gather together with joy and generosity, that we would go all in with that so we could experience the blessing and favor, and you would continue to grow your church through us and in us. God, that you would continue to work in us. Lord, we surrender to you, and we give you great worship today. We give you great